into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, what's up? Good morning, folks. Today is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 430 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jessica Warren, Gabe Lister, Alana Boyajin, Eric the Gray, Mod Teams, folks over on LinkedIn, folks on YouTube, long-timers and first-timers we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and i'll be giving my opinion some might argue expert opinion and analysis on those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner so really more importantly like what can you do with this information how can i reduce cyber risk at my organization or if you're looking to break into the industry believe me you've got massive you've got massive value uh, in the stream for you. Not only is the networking fantastic, we hit a record yesterday, 364 beautiful people in chat live at the same time, but the networking's great. But also, you're going to be asked in any job interview, I don't care <laughs> what cyber role you're going for, you're going to be asked in any job interview, what do you do to stay current in the industry? This right here, this podcast, this community, this day, every single, this time, every single day, we are are delivering on that believe me this is a phenomenal answer and don't just have it playing in the background you do have to engage you do have to uh know what's up because a follow-up question might be like tell me one story that you heard or tell me uh you know tell me a story and then tell me what you would have done differently to prevent that attack or or whatever right so be engaged believe me i promise you i swear to you i can't tell you when it's going to happen but i i guarantee you it will happen at some point for you and you're going to be so pumped that you're part of this community believe that now before we get into the top cyber news stories of the day i do want to tell you each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing is it like without a doubt worth half a cpe you could argue worth one cpe but since we're doing so many of these like let's just stick with half a cpe because it's no one's going to argue that okay half a cpe so be sure to say what's up in chat take a screenshot if you want get get a um um, get uh, auditable evidence that you were here. I don't plan on ever taking the streams down. Arturo, hashtag Passive Observer. Good to see you, Arturo. Guys, if you don't know what to say in chat, hashtag Team Live because you are Team Live. You're here right now. If you're watching this in the future, well, then you are Team Replay. Hashtag Team Replay in the comments on YouTube or LinkedIn. My family is so, so pumped for all that you guys have done. The Simply Cyber community. It's just amazing. If you are... A little shy and you realize that 
networking is super valuable, but you're not sure how to do it, take the first step into the light like Isaac Lacara did, or Isaac Lacra, excuse me, Isaac. Uh, hashtag Passive Observer. Start that, um, start that foray into networking. It's good to see you, Hashtag Passive Observer. What's up, everyone? Greetings from Louisville. James McQuiggan in the house, people. Good to see you, James McQuiggan. Have a great Louisville trip. James is on a multi, multi-state uh, campaign right now, so good on you, James. Coffee cup cheers, I might add. James, I got the big one today, my friend. All right, guys. And then finally, if it's your first time here, if this is your first Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast, maybe you stumbled in here because Google, uh, YouTube suggested it. Maybe someone told you about it at a conference. Maybe someone told you at work. Doesn't matter how you found us. The important news is that you're here. Let us know it's your first day here with a hashtag first timer. And let's welcome them up uh, as we always do. Good morning. Good morning. Now, before we get into the hotness that is the cyber news. What's up, Professor Black Ops? Good to see you. It's been a minute. Um, before we get into the hot news of the day, let me go shout out to the stream sponsors. Those those businesses that I don't uh, not only um, stand with, believe in, and am friends with the owners, but uh, continue to support the show uh, to allow me to bring this to you every single day um, at no cost. I mean, there's a cost, but they're, they're sponsors. So thank you, sponsors, okay? Barricade Cyber Solutions, my friend Eric Taylor, who also guest hosts from time to time, they are dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check it out at barricade.com, barricadecyber.com, excuse me, barricadecyber.com. The link is in the description below. It looks like what, if you're looking on stream right now, you can see what the website looks like. Right here is the key. This is how you get on Eric's calendar right here. If you're actively dealing with a ransomware incident, don't waste time, call them immediately. Wanna say what's up to Sabrina Patavina, uh, hashtag first timer, Sabrina over on LinkedIn. Good to see you, Sabrina, thank you so much. And Rexford Bennett, hashtag first timer. Rexford's in the house, y'all. We got some new first timers. Maybe we'll set a new record. 364 yesterday. Let's go for 365 today. Uh, I really want to take a sip of this coffee. I haven't had any of it yet. <laughs> but <clears throat> I also want to say shout out to Panopsi Security. Panopsi, uh, run by Brandon Poole and his group. They want to partner with your business to basically deliver cyber risk reduction and insights and guidance. So how can you operationalize what, um, what Panopsi can do for you? I'm going to make it super simple. If you're in charge of information security, um, at a business and you're being reactive and you're kind of just like the little Dutch boy sticking fingers and holes in the dike and not really coming up with a strategy on how to repair the dike wholesale, panopsize who you call. They Think of it like this way. If barricade cyber is like after bad happens, right of boom, Panopsi is left of boom, right? Get your protection mechanisms in place. They can come in, look, survey your entire business, survey the landscape and give you a very deliberate cost-effective, staggered, meaning incorrect order uh, plan to go from where you are today and level your InfoSec game up to much greater um, efficacy and cyber risk reduction. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do, people. doesn't matter what job you have in our industry. Your goal is to reduce cyber risk reduction, right? There is a CIA triad. The business doesn't care. <laughs> the business doesn't care about our CIA triad. The business cares about Straight cash, homie. That's right, Randy. Straight cash, homie. And how do we keep 
the business happy about straight cash homie we reduce cyber risk uh love it all right and then finally uh anti-siphon training but we'll talk more about them at the mid-roll it is tidbits tuesday so you're going to get a little interesting story about me at the mid-roll see if we resonate um it's a fun one it's a little embarrassing the one i've got to share with you today so definitely stay tuned to the mid-roll but guys guess what now is the time for the cyber news so do me a favor sit back Relax, get your coffee cup or cup of whatever you're drinking right now, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. Move it bug allowed for free rides. Security researchers with SafeBreach disclosed a bug in the popular Intel-owned transportation app MoveIt. Using a chain of exploits, the researchers could collect new user registration data globally, including addresses, emails, and phone numbers, as well as partial credit whoa, cards. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Jay? <clears throat> hold on, hold on. We got a win in the audience here. James Henning got it. Not only got a job, but got a job with CISA. We all know who's in charge over at CISA. Way to go. Way to go, James. Way to go, man. Congratulations. Uh, Simply Cyber Community, yet another win um, for our community members. If, if it's you trying to break in, you're next. James, straight crushing it. Do uh, <laughs> do be mindful not to immediately email Jen Easterly on day one like I would. Hey, Jen, I work here now. <laughs> but congratulations, James. Super awesome. Super pumped for you. Congratulations. What a hell of a way to start the stream. Well, Well done. Researchers could also fully take over accounts without disrupting them, allowing them to order transportation services. Move it subsequently patched the issues, <clears throat> saying it found no evidence of malicious use. Geez, what a tough break for uh, this ride sharing app called Move It. Um, if you've been under a rock for the last, uh, I don't know, month, Move It has been appropriated by the Progress software company for the Move It uh, data transfer solution that. Clop ransomware, basically. Yes, please, James. If you see Jen by the water cooler, do uh, subtly mention simply cyber. Um, <clears throat> guys, um, move it. Um, like I said, move, move it is. When I saw this, um, when I saw this on the ticker at the bottom, I was like, oh Jesus! It looks like there was a typo. Um, somebody doesn't know what they're doing. But apparently, this is a ride sharing app. Um, so now that we've put that aside, I've never heard of Move It. Um, this was research dropped at um, Black Hat. Again, guys, this is wicked, wicked common. If you if you didn't know this, um, check it out. Black Hat is the largest conference in our industry, basically, right? Like it's the it it's very subjective, right? RSA is also big, but I don't know practitioners that are going to RSA and calling it hacker summer camp. Okay. Like RSA is like, Oh Great cash, homie. yes. Yes. Uh, so anyways, black hats where it's at. So a lot of security vendors will drop security research at black hat. It's a big deal, right? You're trying to, you know, get momentum hit while the, uh, you know, hit while the iron's hot, whatever, like whatever metaphor you want to use right now. So I, I know it's another move. It doesn't saying I'm saying it, they, they appropriated it. So, Safe Breach releases this information. Now, 
The bug could have allowed uh, the researcher to take over other people's accounts, including their credit cards, to pay for his rides. Um, what I do, what I want to do is, oh, he actually did this at DefCon, which is basically Black Hat DefCon. Um, Move it's an Israeli startup. Um, they've only done. He only tested the security research in um, in Israel. Here's what I will say about this. Okay, <clears throat> this reminds me of circa 2012 <clears throat> um the grinder app which is basically tinder for men looking for other men for romantic encounters and uh colby moore a security researcher from synac did an awesome and when i say awesome i mean i remember i remember his name i remember the talk i remember the year it was at schmoocon i remember that i um like i, I remember everything and it was like a where's Waldo? Um, where's Waldo grinder Colby Moore? I just want to show I I might even share this with you guys. Oh my god, Patrick Wardle was the other I didn't even know that. Patrick Wardle's uh like amazing at at uh Apple um Apple research. I had no idea that freaking anyways, I'll drop a link in chat to this one. This is an amazing talk, and I'll explain why in a second, okay? There's a link to it. I'll explain why in a second, okay? And why it's relevant. Guys, all this is, this is straight up API hacking, application programming interface. The way that modern mobile apps work, and a lot of apps, frankly, but we'll stick with mobile apps because that's what this is. You have the app on your phone, but it uses API calls back into a database to know, to, to get information and to update. Like that's why it knows where the car is currently on its way to get you that's why it knows to do surge pricing or not surge pricing right it's constantly going back and forth to a server through api calls now if you do not secure the api correctly then security researchers like this can attack it now he said that it allowed him to take over people's accounts this could be an idor bug idor um i know idor is for web apps i'm i'm I would assume that this kind of applies to where like on the application programming interface um, call, you swap out an account number for one you know, for one that you don't know, and you can iterate people's accounts and stuff like that. That's a really basic vulnerability and exploit uh, for that type of bug. But my point is you can check these things. And I got to tell you guys, um, the more web apps come out, microservices, software as a service, like all of this as a service solutions, most of them use APIs. So if you're looking for an area of interest, um, like bug bounty wise or um, penetration testing, if that's like your bag and you want to work in that space, dude, API hacking is definitely where it's at. It's been around for a while and it's going to continue to be around because you've got to remember the people who are developing MoveIt, again, I'm sure they're wonderful people. I'm sure they're great. They're software developers. They are working on an application. They've got UX UX people who are like, ooh, what's the interface like? Do people like to use this interface? Is it intuitive in design? They may not be putting cybersecurity people in the development DevOps lifecycle, right? So then, you know, it's best effort on trying to secure those API endpoints and crap happens all the time, including this. So it's an it's a rich area of of research and i just want to tell you guys um i've got big plans for myself here in um october big plans in october 
in October, I'm going to be taking this class. I'm, I'm trying to work with TCM right now to figure out how I could do this, but I want to, I want, you know, how like Jesse Johnson's running the security plus Slayer uh, course and stuff like that. I, I wanted, I'm going to, I'm going to take this API hacking course at TCM. Absolutely. I'm going to take it. I'm trying to work with TCM to figure out some type of manifestation where I can like lead an instructor led class. I mean, this is an instructor led class, but like I could do a cohort, like, all right, everybody, like let's do lesson one and then reconvene in an hour or like, let's do all of module one and let's reconvene at lunchtime and like share stories or answer questions. I don't know, but I love myself some API hack and it's an area I want to know more about just like this story. And that's how I'm going to do it uh, in October. So m be mindful of that. A look at Black Hat's network. Yeah, exactly. Just get with Alyssa Knight. I do know Alyssa Knight. Um, uh, quite well, actually. Um, and she is the she is a uh, boss when it comes to API hack and wrote the book on it. Operation Center. The registers Ian Thompson looked at the peculiarities of running a knock during the Black Hat conference. While attacks do occur, the volunteer staff says it operates very differently than a typical organization. Outside of the registration network, Black Hat doesn't have other assets to protect. They also cited their Wi-Fi network as a way to potentially increase security with attendees. Staff cited attendees coming with malware-infected laptops or sending unencrypted data at the event. In both cases, staff contacted the attendee and can help fix the issue. The staff builds the network from scratch for each event with a free hand in equipment loans from vendors. Yeah, so if you didn't know, um, this is really cool, okay? So if you didn't know, the wireless network, and obviously it's like late now, but the wireless network at Black Hat is um, worth using, okay? Like the official one. Now, of course, at Black Hat, you're going to have a lot of knuckleheads who are standing up fake access points that are like Black Hat 2023, right? So th there'll be like a whole, I should take a screen cap. There'll be a whole bunch of like bogus SSIDs trying to trick you into connecting to it, but there is a legitimate Black Hat one. It's run by this knock. Um, you can go look at it. They actually have it set up in a room and there's like a, a, a massive glass partition running it. So you can walk into the room and then there's like, you know, kind of a, not a hallway, but like there's a, there's like a space where you can walk from like basically one door and one door. And then there's a space. And then on the other side of that space is glass. And then on the other side of the glass is what you're looking at in this picture, the knock. Um, very, very cool. They are very uh, elite professionals. Uh, BSEC, you'd love what they're doing in there. Um, they do talk about finding people who have malicious devices because if your phone is, is compromised, right, or your laptop's compromised, and it's reaching out to like a C2 domain or something like that, the knock is going to see it, right? All of your network is flowing through the knock if you connect to that, um, obviously, if you connect to that wireless network. Um, fun fact. So, um, a, f a fellow colleague of mine who graduated, uh, the PhD program at Dakota state with me, uh, Stephanie, well, I don't want to say her last name. So, so Stephanie, she, she knows who she is. She actually worked the knock at one point. She gave me like a little bit of a tour intro thing to it. Very, very cool. One thing that stunned me. And I think, uh, what might surprise some of you is that they actually know that people are going to be trying to hack it. And they have the equivalent of like really fun honeypots on the network, okay? And, and I don't know if they still do this. This When I saw, so when Stephanie gave me the lowdown, this was maybe like, it was definitely pre-pandemic. So like 2019. Um, 
Anyways, they have a screen up, and on the screen is, you know that Cookie Monster GIF where, and I said GIF, Alana, you know you know the Cookie Monster GIF where he's like wearing kind of a, a, a necktie and a collar, and he's just like um, strumming his fingers? Um, they have that going on loop, and then when someone compromises that honeypot or knocks the honeypot, the the uh, the Cookie Monster starts like flipping out and eating cookies, and then it resets back. So like they have like a visual indicator that someone has successfully pwned their honeypot. Uh, I I thought it was really cool. I mean it's it's there's nothing in the knock. There's nothing in your black hat brochure that says like there's honeypots hidden on the network. Hack them, but they just know that people are going to do it. So they've they've baked in these kind of like Easter eggs, for lack of a better term. It's very cool. Oh no, Stone Arrow. You're you're firmly in the gift category. Oh no. We've got an unsubscribe. We've got an unsubscribe. <laughs> and gaming disputes lead to DDoS attacks. A black hat presentation from staff at the FBI Cyber and IP Crime Section Division at the US Justice Department said that most DDoS attacks arise from petty disputes, primarily to get a competitive edge in gaming. Part of the reason why DDoS attacks see a spike in December comes from minors coming home from school and increased gaming time. Another common cause comes from businesses looking to disrupt a competitor. Many DDoS-as-a-service providers start pricing at about $20 for 1,000 seconds of attack time on a single target. While DDoS from nation-state-affiliated actors rose over the last two years, these still represent a small <coughs> percentage of the overall number of attacks. All right. So they do mention law enforcement here, so you know what we do. All right, so this is really interesting. Okay, so really quick, by the way, cool graphic. Uh, I do like that. Um, most DDoS attacks tied to gaming, okay, and business disputes. All right, so really quickly, DDoS is distributed denial of service attack. Essentially what it means is you have a bunch of computers or a bunch of endpoints, right? And they're all sending traffic to one asset on the internet, okay? So, so imagine, if you will, that all of us, how many are there? 304 of us right now in chat, we're all going to go to, and don't do this right now, but like we're all going to go to simplycyber.io all at the same time. Well, simplycyber.io is my website and it's just a web server sitting on the internet and it's not built for load. It's, it's not doing load balancing. It's not amazon.com or netflix.com, right? It's not built for that. So if it gets all those requests at the same time, then it can't serve any of the requests because it gets all choked up and throttled. This is a denial of service. Now, like a legit person wants to go to simplycyber.io and they can't go there, okay? it's When you say it's distributed, it's, it just means more than one kind of asset's doing it. Back in the day, you could have one asset push a bunch of things with like the low orbit ion cannon if you want to go Google something. But with distributed, it's it's much more effective because you can send more data and it's much more difficult to defend against because you can't just block a single IP address. There's entire businesses around denial of service defense and stuff like that. I'm not going to get into that. What I do want to point out is that this is interesting that most denial of service attacks are tied to gaming and business disputes. Um, it does make sense. Denial of service attacks, one of the shortcomings of them is that you need to maintain, like think of it, I always compare it to like a fire hydrant, right? So imagine so imagine Stone Arrow is like, like, oh, Jerry with your with your gifts. And um and I'm like, okay, Stone Arrow, like if you can touch the fire hydrant, I'll start calling it GIF. 
And then, like, I open the fire hydrant. So, like, that blast of water streams coming. And Stone Arrow's like, ah! Right? And then, and then like, he's trying to, like, walk. But the, the, the water is still blasting him in the face. So he can't really get close. That's the denial of service. But the second I stop, the second I, I let go of the wrench and the wrench falls forward and the water stops, Stone Arrow just runs up and <laughs> both slaps the top of the fire hydrant and follows through right into my grill. Right? So... This is what, you know, a, a visual representation of a denial of service attack. Now, having said all that, what's interesting is we did see Russia use denial of service attacks and vice versa at the beginning of the Ukrainian conflict back in 2022. Um, but that was kind of a pointed uh, utility of it. With gaming, if you guys have ever played uh, like some of these like first person shooter games like Call of Duty, Fortnite, even um, Diablo. I don't know if there's like a competitive scene. The um, the fighting games, like everything in gaming has to do with speed, agility, timing, quickness, which by the way, if you're sending data, if you're not physically on the same box, then the network becomes part of that calculation on expediency. So with the denial of service attack, you can blast someone out of a lobby. You can buffer them. You know, so like when it when it refreshes, they're dead. Even even think about this, like business dispute. Let's just say, for example, that um, Neil Bridges uh, from Cyber Insecurity is like, oh, I'm gonna like Jerry's daily cyber threat briefing is too much of a, a threat to me. Like I'm streaming right now. I need internet activity, right? So if someone were to DOS my IP address right now. I would be screwed. Like this stream would go down. You see what I'm saying? So these are the, you, you got to think like a DOS is just an arrow in a quiver, right? When you shoot the arrow, what is the impact, right? If you're just shooting that at a business that's like making manufacturing widgets, not a real impact. Their website's down. They keep producing widgets, right? For online gaming, for streaming, all these things. That is devastating, right? And the final thing I'll um, the final thing I'll uh, share with you, because this is a wicked famous uh, use case, is Mirai Botnet. Mirai Botnet. M-I-R-A-I. Mirai Botnet. Famous, famous, famous case. Um, two, well, three. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for you, but some threat actor, right, was using built this botnet that moved wicked quickly. It wasn't that complicated. It spread fast. And the entire reason for it was to knock Minecraft servers off the internet. Okay. And it, I mean, when I say massive, it was one of the largest botnets at one point. I think it, it, it was cresting like five or 600,000 compromised nodes at, at one point. So yeah, check out Darknet Diaries episode 136, Teams Executor. Uh, mods, Jenny and BSEC are telling me that that's tied to denial of service in the gaming industry. So uh, if you remind me of Jawjack and I'll pull that up and get the URL. All right, let's keep going. China claims it will disclose U.S. global reconnaissance system. The Chinese state newspaper, The Global Times, reported that Chinese authorities will disclose evidence of U.S. military agencies targeting civilian infrastructure, particularly targeting seismological data. This comes from a joint investigation by China's National Computer Virus Emergency Response Center and the security firm Kuaihu 360. Officials claim this activity disrupted seismographic monitoring capabilities, but it's unclear if this indicates use of malware. As the record's Alexander Martin points out, while overwhelming evidence shows China engages with cyber espionage as part of its statecraft, it does not publicly avow its agencies, unlike the U.S. 
And now... All right. This is the second time the story has come out around um, hacking of seismological um, assets. Remember, I, I shared with the community a story about when I went to um, Palmer Station in Antarctica and how one of the guys on the boat with me was like a earthquake doctor. <laughs> like, I know that's definitely not the right term. I guess a geologist. But uh, he was there to like basically affirm the tuning of a seismological um, instrument. And there's like these instruments all over the world. So I don't know. Like to me, I hate to say it. Uh, like my mind immediately goes to like, you know, international espionage and um, like Mission Impossible type stuff where like this... This earthquake monitoring equipment in Wuhan is actually a front for like some other kind of like forward listening post um, for, you know, some, you know, diabolical type thing. Oh, thank you. Seismologist. Thank you, chat. I appreciate that. Taylor, Aaron, uh, all, all the folks, uh, Sean. So I don't know what the end game is here. Like, dude, here's the thing. Like China, I like I find it hilarious. Okay. Like, China is, like, wagging a finger at the United States about espionage, okay? I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying because I'm a U.S. citizen that, like, the U.S. can just, you know, world police all over the place and, and infringe on other countries' um, rights of data privacy and security and stuff like that. But, dude, of all the countries, China is going to wag the finger like China is like <laughs> China's leading the way on international espionage. They've been doing it for many, many years uh, with with, uh, you know, unbelievable success. So I don't understand. I, I would love it if someone had a hot take on why they're going after seismolo seismological data. Um, the only thing I could say is like the only thing I could say is with like seismological data, you can detect when large um, explosions have detonated, right? Like when we drop the atom bomb, that shows up. When someone, when like when we were testing in um, Los Alamos back in the '40s, if you're if you're watching Oppenheimer, right, th that shows up. Like you detonate something in in New Mexico, people in China can see it because the Earth, even though the Earth's wicked big and stuff like that, if you have a precision instrument, it will detect it, and then you can like kind of triangulate with multiple of these instruments to tell exactly where it detonated, right? Exactly, James. That's what I'm wondering now if like there's consideration or concern around um, weapons testing of some sort. And, you know, basically, if you hack into a seismological data center, you can get the logs, you can get the data from prior, you know, from, from in the past and see what kind of data is there versus monitoring ongoing activity. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. A word from our sponsor, Vesa. 75% of breaches happen because of bad permissions. The problem is that you don't know exactly who has access to what data in your environment. For example, roles labeled as read-only can often edit and delete sensitive data. Vesa automatically finds and fixes every bad permission in every app across your environment. Learn more at Vesa.com. All right. It is the mid-roll, which is perfect because I just finished my first cup of coffee. If you're new here, hashtag first timers, well, let me introduce you to what we do on the mid-roll every single day. 
Oh, yeah. First off, priorities. Going to pour this cup of coffee. All righty. Excellent. 310 wonderful people here today. Good morning, everybody. I want to thank all of you. Stone Arrow surprise on Discord. I'll check that in a minute, Stone Arrow. Um, Hey, I want to thank all of you, all of you, individually. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Shuttle Crab, Space Tacos, Stone Arrow, Alana, Alex, Jazzy Jazz. Thank you all so much. The mods, the whole whole community, uh, it, 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 it means the world to me, guys. I want to thank the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon. I mentioned Anti-Siphon at the onset, but didn't get into it. Anti-Siphon Training, if you don't know who Black Hills Information Security is, absolutely recommend that you check them out. Anti-Siphon Training is the training arm of Black Hills Information Security. They are a phenomenal bunch of people, a phenomenal company. They have awesome training. I want to call your attention to their pay-what-you-can training. You go on their website, link in the description below. Training, pay what you can. There's these eight courses that literally you pay what you can. If you could, if you can pay $5, pay $5. You can pay $300, pay $300. Whatever it is, whatever you can pay, do not let um, your socioeconomic status, your financial situation, maybe you just got divorced, maybe you just lost your job, maybe you're moving into a new country for better opportunities, whatever your situation is, Hell, maybe you just want to get trained up and you, you, everything's uh, gravy for you. Pay what you can. These eight courses are awesome. They are ta- Three of them are taught by John Strand, which is, the guy's got his own emote. If you're seeing on stream the guy walking with the explosion behind him, that's John Strand. Check it out in chat. All right. Guys, do me a solid favor. Matthew Hibbert with the super chat. Guys, do me a favor. Hit the like button if you can just for a hot second before we do the community challenge. Only 47 likes so far. There's 316 of you gorgeous people. You might be like, Jerry, I don't have time to hit the like button. Why would I hit the like button? Two reasons. One, if you're getting educational entertainment value, I would appreciate it. It's a simple way to say thanks. Two, and most importantly, by hitting the like button, if enough of you do it, right? If you hit the like button, if you hit the like button, if you hit the like button, YouTube's algorithm is going to trigger and it's going to say, hey, people who are searching for cybersecurity content also may like this stream because everybody here likes cyber content because they know and they, um, they, they'll like it, right? Because YouTube wants to keep you on the platform. Long story short, if you're a first timer here today, chances are you may have found the stream because we did this yesterday. It takes two seconds. Please hit the like button and pay it forward. All right, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. My man, Matthew Hibbert, dropping bombs on LinkedIn yesterday. Uh, Super pumped for Matthew. Go check his post out, guys. Matthew's going to tag somebody in chat right now to pass the baton. Whoever gets that baton, all of you, go on LinkedIn. Search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Connect with the people who are posting and commenting. Comment yourself. You will build your professional LinkedIn network. This is like a LinkedIn hack. Connect to the people in the challenge. Comment so you get picked up in the peloton of the challenge. And if you get the baton, share your cyber story. Why, Jerry? Why? Because in about two weeks, your LinkedIn feed is going to be supercharged with supportive, inclusive, valuable cybersecurity people and content. LinkedIn will look like a brand new platform. See you like yeet. Yeet to all the crap that you don't care about on LinkedIn and... 
to all the advertisers, and boom, baby, you're going to have a wicked good LinkedIn feed. So do it for yourself, please. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Guys, Tidbits Tuesday, every single day of the week has a special little segment, and on Tuesdays, I share a little bit about me. 334 people. All right, guys, this one's a little embarrassing, all right? Um, shelled peanuts, okay, shelled peanuts, forever, for my entire life, up until recently, I didn't, like, I would just crush the shell, and, and to get the peanuts out, and then I'd have, like, all this debris and crap in my hand, and I would, like, fish out the, the peanuts and get them going, right? Carl Swede! Carl! Did we just become best friends? Yep! Thanks for the super chat, Carl, and there's your Carl uh, Sounder. Guys, here's the thing. The other day, I was doing, a, I was crushing my peanuts. Now, I've been with my wife 20 years now, okay? I've been with my wife for more, like, almost half my life. And I was like crushing the shell. And she's like, why are you opening your peanuts that way? And I'm like, because this is how I open them. She's like, oh, you brute. She's like, the top of a peanut where it actually hung off the vine, right? It's 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 actually uh, compromised right there. If you just squeeze that top, it'll naturally pop open. One end of the peanut does not open very easily. The other end opens very, very easily. Once I discovered that, Guys, I was popping peanut shells like a boss, just like dink, dink, dink. So if you knew the secret about cracking open roast, uh, like peanut shells, then why didn't you tell me sooner? And if you didn't know, holler, holler at you. Go check it out. Get some shelled peanuts and open them up. You're going to be, you're going to be stunned because if you were crushing them like a, uh, like a brute before, like I was, your your life is just going to get a whole lot easier. Oh, Alana, Alana, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's let's get back onto stream. You guys are the best. AI detection algorithms show ESL false positives. Researchers at Stanford University published a paper showing that algorithms used to detect AI-generated <clears throat> content in academic papers showed significant false positives with non-native English speakers. While native English speakers were flagged incorrectly 5.1% of the time as AI written, non-native speakers saw misclassification 61.3% of the time when tested across a variety of algorithms. In 20% of cases, all of the AI detection algorithms tested unanimously classified this text as AI written. This can occur in algorithms that use indexes of complexity and large vocabularies as indicators of human origin. OpenAI, Quill.org, and Common Lit shut down AI detectors earlier this year, citing unreliability. All right. So hold on. A lot just happened in chat while we were gone. Um, Velinov with 10 gifted subs. So thank you so much for the gifted subs. If you're one of the lucky 10 who just picked up a, a gifted sub membership, please enjoy the uh, squad emotes and the uh, the branding and the logo. Thank you so much for allowing 10 more people to enjoy the squad membership. Yes, Justin Rower, popping shells is uh, what I accidentally said and so true. James McQuiggan with the super chat. Just become best friends. Yep. Agree to disagree and definitely peanut shells all over the new couch would be a hot mess on fire. We did get a new couch. Um, all right, so let's get back into the story here. Um, AI detection tools. Okay, so first of all, um, I love this. And this actually, like the obvious story here is about cheating in academia and how people are, um, you know, you can't just blatantly ha feed it into a tool and have the tool tell you whether or not AI generated it or not. Um, plus AI hallucinates and all that. What I real, to me, the real story here, okay, excuse me, the real story here is that a AI is only as good 
as it is the models it's built on. And one of the things that we're not really talking about, some people are talking about it, but it's not mainstream, right? It's The mainstream news line is, oh, do you use it for cheating? Yes or no. What, what we should be talking about are biases being built in, right? So you, we've seen famously like years ago where some of the AI bots, the early models would like get unbelievably racist very, very quickly, right? The AI tools are only, they're built on uh, models and there's biases in those models. So, right, if it's built on all English um, data sets, right, and then you have a non-native English speaker trying to communicate in English, Yes, it's if you've ever talked to a non-native English speaker who English is their second language and they're not great at it, you know, you know what they're saying, but maybe they're using verb prepositions incorrectly or they don't use an article or they say the verb first and then the noun, whatever it is, right? But you know what they're saying. You can communicate with them because as a human, you get the gist of what they're trying to say. Uh, Toy and Allah, please accept the challenge if you'd like for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. So anyways, long story short, what I'm saying is these these detection tools are not going to be great because they're, they're, the, the AI itself is flawed in that there is bias built into those things. And guys, it's going to be difficult to get the biases out because all the data sets are pretty much built on, like, it's human data, human-generated data that the AI is being built on. Um, the, the, the other thing I want to point out, and I'm super happy about this, is I'm glad to hear that a lot of the larger uh, bodies that are into like detecting cheating and academic uh, fraud and stuff like that have outright come out and said, we're not using these AI detection tools. I think that's huge. Can you imagine, guys, can you imagine if you busted your hump worked late, made sacrifices, gave your blood, sweat, and tears into something, and then some stupid tools like this is fraud, this is this is this is uh AI generated F. Right? That's that's bullcrap. So uh I'm glad that they're doing this. Guys, it, it wasn't like the system wasn't broken before. It could have been improved, but it wasn't broken. It wasn't like we were trying to solve for some major issue. Um, so anyways, good on you. And, and by the way, like, let's not be naive and don't think that people are using AI to cheat. Okay. So there is a subset, there is a Venn diagram going on here and there are students that are using it to cheat. Um, it's just, this isn't the way to detect it. DOJ seizes NetWalker servers. The U S department of justice seized the domain lolechosted.net, a site connected to an extensive crimeware as a service operation. The domain facilitated ransomware, brute force attacks, and phishing domains. One of the domain's clients also included the NetWalker ransomware group. The DOJ also brought charges against a Polish national allegedly operating the domain, Archer Carol Grabowski. All right, so DOJ, again, the IRS somehow involved with this. Um, this is all about Lolek. Um, Lolek was a, you know, I guess a bulletproof hosting criminal infrastructure. Um, you got to remember, Mono Julian, what's up with the super chat? Can we just become best friends. Yep. Thank you, Mono, for the super chat. Good to see you. Mono is open for work. Definitely appreciate that, Mono. I think Mono is uh, GRC focused, if I'm not mistaken, right, Mono? Let us know in chat. Um, so Lolek is this kind of bulletproof hosting domain. You can see here, oh, they, they talk about bulletproof hosting. Um, 
the DOJ spent 10 years. Here's another thing, dude. In, in like the uh, dude, like, I'm sorry. Here's another thing, people. Um, in real life, the Department of Justice has to move um, at the speed that they can move at. It took them 10 years to get after this one. This domain had been up since like 2009 or something or 2013. We talked about it the other day. Like, how did it take so long? Well, the DOJ, in order to have a, an actual lock, lock tight case, needed to get it sorted out. Um, bulletproof hosting. They said that um, this dude, Grabowski, the Polish guy who got arrested, facilitated criminals' activities of Lolek hosted clients by allowing clients to register accounts using fake information, not maintaining IP logs. So if law enforcement did get them, they wouldn't be, you know, it was like, oh, like we protect your data and your uh, identity. Let's see. Let's see. Um, 50 NetWalker ransomware attacks on victims located all over the world originated from in here. Um, the DOJ says that if this guy's convicted, which it, if it took him 10 years to build the case, you better believe that they have enough evidence to sink this dude. It will seek to recover $21 million in forfeited funds from Grabowski. So this dude uh, is going to have his money taken, hopefully. Uh, victims getting some justice and uh, a win for... A win for the uh, for the good guys, okay? I, I will say, uh, I hope Jack Recider covers this particular story, too. This seems a tailor-made Darknet Diary episode right here. Uh, finally, there's no reason for this, but... <laughs> Catch me outside, how about that? Yeah, that's right. macOS defense bypass proves trivially easy. With macOS Ventura, Apple introduced Background Task Manager, a security feature meant to look for software persistence that could indicate malware. At DEF CON, security researcher Patrick Wardle chided the poorly implemented feature, showing three bypasses to disable notifications of persistence. One required root access, another exploited a kernel bug, and the third used macOS's process sleep function to silence the notifications. Wardle disclosed several bugs in the system to Apple previously, but released these three at the conference without prior disclosure. Wardle's nonprofit Objective-C offers a similar persistence event notification tool called BlockBlock Block years prior to Apple's release. All right. So I'm going to, um, yes, Jack Recider on Simply Cyber would be cool. Uh, just for those who are in the community that don't know, James McQuiggan, he's, on, he's in stream right now, obviously longtime Simply Cyber community uh, member. James runs this uh, security, ma is it Security Mastermind podcast, James? Um, security, hold on one second. Security Mastermind podcast, James McQuiggan. Let me get this really quickly because there's a little bit of a story here. Security Masterminds. Yeah, this, this right here. This is James McQuiggan's podcast. Check it out. Um, James's podcast. All right, so check this out. That's James's podcast. Definitely worth checking out. 4.8 stars. Nice job, James. James met with J uh, Jack Recider. Jack said he would come on Security Masterminds. Um, obviously, I'm super happy for James. A tinge of jealous, but but I, I, jealousy is such an ugly emotion that I actually deliberately don't get jealous. I, I try to focus on like why and then celebrate for the other person so for james i am super pumped for james if he can get jack reciter on the stream that would be so good and so amazing um for the community and for james's podcast so definitely hope so and then you know i'm one degree away from jack reciter because i have a friend so maybe jack comes on 
Um, guys, I told you earlier about that Grinder app um, and Patrick Wardle, and I was like, holy crap, Patrick Wardle? I didn't even realize Patrick was the guy who spoke at this. He is the leading Apple security researcher, Patrick Wardle. Also worth noting, Patrick Wardle is one of my three top speakers. If you have a chance, oh, James McQuiggan with the super chat. Can we just become best friends. Yep. Thanks, James, for the super chat. You do great work, James. People should know about it. Guys, if, listen, Patrick Wardle is the, one of my three absolute favorite speakers. I know DEF CON just ended. If you were in chat and you went to Patrick's talk, let us know in chat what your thoughts were. If you ever get an opportunity to see Patrick Wardle present, it is delightful. The man, you could tell he was trained in <laughs> in three-letter agency and briefing um, you know, higher-ups like brass generals because he's very succinct. He's very deliberate. He's very paced. Everything he says has a purpose and a meaning. He's just an absolute delight, and he's wicked good at security research, especially on Apple. So Patrick Wardle, an absolute must-see. He always presents at Black Hat DEF CON. He's always super approachable. This is no surprise. He So Apple malware flagging tool, wicked easy to bypass, just like many other EDR solutions, endpoint detection and response. It's not uncommon for a new tool to come out and pen testers to find a way to circumvent it, right? How do you circumvent tools that are watching? Well, you can do a bunch of things. You can, um, you can have a, a section of disk that the EDR tool isn't looking at. You can disable the EDR tool. You can push a new virus definition packet to it. Like there's a million different things you can do. Patrick demonstrated it. Believe me, I believe you. I mean, oh wow. So BSEC, BSEC just said, um, Patrick did not disclose this after uh, beforehand. I was actually about to say, literally, believe me, Patrick was in contact with Apple he has like a direct line to Apple um, prior to releasing this. I I find it stunning that he went to mark he went to the conference and disclosed this without first talking to Apple. Um, he may have um, he may have told Apple about this and they kind of like gaffed him off, which would be unusual for Patrick. But um, the final thing I'll say um, the final thing I'll say about this is. Uh, This is Patrick's, um, yeah, he wrote the book, Art of Mac Malware. Uh, this is his website, objectivec.org. I would strongly, this is a bookmark and check it out later. Again, Patrick Wardle, love this guy. One of my three favorite speakers of all time. He might, he might even be number, number one. It's, it's kind of hard. The top three are kind of jumbled together. UK voter registration site is not a scam. Over the past month, councils across England and Wales began sending out mailers asking property occupants to update voter records. This mailer included a two-part security code that needs to be entered as authentication on a government site. The problem, the URL for updating the records, sits at householdresponse.com, a site largely unfamiliar to voters and not attached to a .gov domain. Many citizens complain that the site and the whole process looks like a spam campaign, with some councils even sending out separate notices to attest to its legitimacy. Voters can face fines of up to 1,000 pounds for failure to respond. Jesus. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. All right, guys. So <laughs> let's take a moment here and talk about, like, 
yes, we work in cybersecurity, but there is an art to it. There is a business side. There is Carl. Carl's, right? So um, Julie Genzer, the other two, John Strand and Chris Rock, not the comedian Chris Rock, the Australian Chris Rock. Those are the other two. Chris Rock, John Strand, Patrick Wardle. Okay, guys, so here's the deal. There is some type of government agency in the UK that needs people to sign up and register to vote something. And in their brilliance, obviously they overlooked this in the project plan. They, and I don't even know why, they're using a URL that is looks scammy. We have done our job so well, congratulations everybody. We've done our job so well that end users, grandparents, you know, um, students, Carl in accounting, all of them sniff a sus URL and are like, no, no, no. Smells fishy. I'm out. Peace. Well, because of that, these, um, you know, these people did not account for that and they just pushed it out. I, I have to think that this was done as some type of like loose and fast program. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay, and GRC people are gonna like this is our this is our bag. Alana, Mono, these are our bags, okay? When you're going to do something that impacts the business or impacts your community of users, right? You have to communicate it, right? If I switch the um firewall at the perimeter from a PA to a gigamon and I, you know, I rack and stack and I I do the wiring. End users don't need to know about that. They don't give a crap. Packets just flow. You are the hero in the shadows, making sure that risk reduction is achieved. However, when you're doing something like rolling out multi-factor authentication or rolling out a website that people are going to have to sign up at, you need to properly communicate. It's not sexy. It's not really cyber. It, we're not hacking and popping shells here. But what we are doing is preparing our community to expect something, then delivering on that expectation so you can have a smooth execution of the project. This is a dumpster fire. There is a reason, give me this dumpster fire emote. There's a reason we have the dumpster fire emote, okay? This is a dumpster fire because individuals are gonna be fined $1,000 if they don't do this. <laughs> so now you're gonna have people do this. I wouldn't be all that surprised, especially since this is now like mainstream news. I wouldn't be all surprised if some opportunistic threat actors stood up a, um, you know, whatever, householdfubar.com, like whatever the website is, right? And then did like a little typo squatting, a little puny code injection, whatever it is, right? And then started sending emails because now you have confused your end user community and you have made them totally susceptible to a phishing campaign, a, a very effective one, because you're gonna have a government agency telling your end users to go ahead and trust it, don't sweat it. Dude, like you, oh my God. You are so dumb. You are really I, dumb. I'm sorry. I, I hate to just dump on whoever was in charge of rolling this out, but this is hot trash. And I really, really hope they get on the other side of this. But talk about like compromising all of the, the goodwill and the political capital and the effort of getting end users to modify their behavior and then detonating it. Something that would show up on the seismological 
uh, telemetry, that level of detonation, goobers. Ah, it, it, you know what? Hold on. It, it's frustrating to me because I have built information security programs and I've painstakingly got end users to buy in and to get on board with, with the direction and get on the train and everybody rowing in the same order, like whatever metaphor you want to use. And seeing something like this, it's like, dude, it, ugh. it's like a little part of me dies looking at this. Ugh. Since time immemorial, it seems like job postings have always listed All qualifications right. for a... That's going to do it for the news. Before you go really quickly, I just want to share with everybody... How many people we got? 318. Thank you all so much for being here today. If you're here just for the news, I hope you got value. I hope you're prepared to go crush it. If you're here um, just to get educated, to network, I hope you did that. I hope you feel good. Tuesday is going to be a great day for you. Go out, continue to crush it. I want to share with you guys a little project that I did. When I was at Black Hat, I interviewed four CEOs, okay? 25-minute talks with all four and I'm putting them together as like a, four different uh, streams or, or produced videos for the channel. The first one's gonna go live today at 10 a.m. Eastern time, so like in an hour. It is, um, I'm meeting with Stan Golubchik, this guy on the right. This guy's nails, so cool. Um, and he is um, the CEO of a company called ContraForce, which is hyper-automating Microsoft, which if you're like, what the hell does that mean? We're gonna get into it, believe me. Um, you're gonna love it, and uh, I like. And I just want to set expectations because this is like a new style of uh, video. I'm only doing four of these. This is not the direction of Simply Cyber. It's just I couldn't take all of my uh, video gear out there, so I did the best thing I. Oh my god, I did the best thing I could, which is this. So check it out. All right. So it's gonna be a little intro. And then, and then it's like this, okay? All right, so if you're into this, check it out. I think you're gonna like it. There's, like I said, there's four of them. I met with four CEOs and I did four of these videos and they're gonna be uh, dripping out here over the next couple weeks. So please go check that out. All right, if you were here just for the news, Thank you all so very much. My name's Jerry. This has been the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast for August 15th, episode 430. And now, my friends, we pivot. We pivot hard into jawjacking. Hold on. I have a special jawjacking overlay. Let's do that. Yes. Yes. What's up? Hold on. Hold on. I got to get the uh, YouTube chat. Uh... Yes. Yes. There we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Jawjacking, where it's always all about good times. I got mod chat up uh, and let's rock and roll here. Um, Jenny just stepped away, but she's queued up a couple things. Paul Dent says, hey, Paul, good to see you. Um, I've listened to every Darknet Diary episode, any similar pods. No, Paul, um, Darknet Diaries is, is unique all into itself, and it's an amazing podcast. Um, I don't know of any, any kind of, like, storytelling, um, you know, kind of retrospective episodes, like, 
like Darknet Diaries, but it is wicked good. All right, so in reference to Black Hills training, um, Mike Hightower wants to know, do they have threat intel training? What source would you recommend learn more about threat intelligence? Ooh, that's a good question. I was actually just talking with my friend Carlos at the Simply Cyber Community Meetup about threat intelligence. Let me take a look. Um, None of these are really threat intel per se. Um, Let me see. Let's see. Let's look at the catalog here. Chris Frazier on the last round of interviews or QA automation. Crush it, Chris. You got this, man. Uh, let's see. Threat Intel. I'm trying to think. Like, I feel... Hmm. Let's see. Threat Intel. I, I don't have a good Threat Intel training right off the rip. You know, like OSINT. There's a lot of OSINT ones. Um, you know what, uh, Mike Hightower? I'll take that for action. I'm going to I'm gonna take that for action. I need... Like... I, I need a better answer for uh, CTI training. Because here's the thing. I like to have a good answer or have a video for that, okay? We'll see what Chad has to say. Um, like, the whole reason I made the GRC course is because people would ask me where to get GRC training and I didn't have a good answer. So, um, we'll see. Uh, get back to me. Mike, I'll, I'll find out today and get back to you, okay? Or get back to the stream. Um Isan Shigo on LinkedIn says, good morning, everybody. Yesterday, I passed the CompTIA Sec Plus exam, and today I feel great. Well, you should feel great. You're straight crushing it, Isan. Way to go, man. Sec Plus. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. You're going to keep looking at chat here. What's your take on non-gov employees requiring a public trust or security clearance? Oh, absolutely. Pastor of Muppets. I worked for Booz Allen Hamilton for a number of years, and I had a, um, I had a uh, clearance that <laughs> uh, that was required um, because, dude, the way that the U.S. government operates, they outsource a lot of uh, work to contractors for various reasons, better or worse. And if you're going to give, you know, non-government people access to sensitive things, you got to remember, Pastor of Muppets. It's about the data classification and the sensitivity of the data. At the end of the day, we, we work in a field called information security. So it's about securing the information and whoever has access to it. I don't care if they're part-timer, full-timer, civilian, military, govy, contractor. If they got access to the information, they have to be cleared in some capacity. Um, also, fun fact, um, <laughs> the investigation process... I don't know about your experiences, but like, I'm not super, you know, interesting, but the investigation process, you do feel like garbage after the uh, federal agents interview you. I don't know. I don't know if anyone else has had this experience yet, but like you get interviewed by a federal agent about like everything, every, every bad decision you've ever made in your life. That's all they want to talk about. So after a few hours of those conversations, you feel like garbage. Um, so anyways, that was my experience. All right. What laptop description did you prefer a SOC analyst should purchase or have? Um, Abdul, I mean, SOC analyst work, you're typically using tooling, uh, like Sims and cloud-based stuff, SecOnion, stuff that's, uh, on top of infrastructure. So you don't really need a heavy lift, uh, laptop. 
Um, so, I mean, any laptop would do. I, I personally like, um, I like IBM laptops. I like Dell laptops. I do not like HP laptops. I would, I would, you know what I do with HP laptops? <laughs> All right. Mono Julian saying with the super chat, privacy and security, OSINT, how to harden your system, hacked, haven't seen back to back, but the podcasts are great. Good podcaster as well. Oh, okay. You're recommending a podcast, Mono Julian. Let's check it out. Just become best friends. Yep. Privacy, security, and OSINT. Okay, let me see. Privacy, security, and OSINT podcast. Let's see what Mono's talking about here. Is this it? Michael Basil's? Now, Michael Basil is known... Oh, wait, you guys can't see. Michael Basil is known in the industry as um, the kind of like InfoSec person. I mean, OSINT person. What the crap? Why can't I show you my screen? Hold on one second. Computer. What is going on? Can I, how do I, why can't I show you this? Um, that works. Here, I'll just show you this. I don't, it's not like I got anything crazy uh, on my desktop. Um, this is Michael Basil. I don't know if this is what Mono Julian's talking about, but Michael Basil, definitely well known. This might be his podcast. Here we go. Check it out. Wink. All right. All right. Um, Hacked is a pretty good one. What about Lenovo laptops? Yeah, Billy, I like Lenovo. I do like Lenovo. I think Lenovo is the IBM um, commercial-grade systems, right? So IBM, I just happen to have one here. Like ThinkPad. ThinkPad, I think, is the professional-grade IBM. And then Lenovo is the... Um, the, the residential or whatever you mean, like the, you know, consumer grade brand. Um, Ken Forday says, I like explaining why your former employee worded his questions a certain day. I was like, I don't know. He's in construction. So maybe he doesn't have a great vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, Ken. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Okay, uh, great magazine called Unredacted. Hey, here's a little like throwback to yesteryear uh, to show you how old I am, and a little bit of a throwback to um, if you're if you're young and you don't know about this, dude. Twenty six hundred magazine, guys. This used to be like the Hacker Quarterly. Oh, I loved this thing. Oh crap, this thing still comes out. Holy crap, I didn't realize that. <laughs> dude, when I was younger, I used to go to Barnes and Noble. And like find this, it was always like a tiny little um, magazine. Like like it was like this, you know, it was like this this dimension. It wasn't. It was eight, not eight and a half by eleven. It was like the executive size. Um, loved it. This was my first intro into our world of information security. Twenty six hundred. Shout out. Uh, Active Countermeasures has some Threat Hunter courses that I took before. Oh, Ryan Gardner. Uh, good point. Hold on. Let's bring this up. Uh, I forgot about that. Um, Anti-Siphon does run with uh, active countermeasures. Let me see if I can... uh, Active... So ACM, hunting, um, classes, courses, whatever you want to call it. Threat hunting training course from active countermeasures. Active countermeasures does work with... uh, You can actually see this is on Black Hills. It's not Black Hills website, but this is like Black Hills look and feel um 
Yeah, hey, whoever, Ryan uh, Gardner, thank you so much. I would absolutely endorse this. I haven't taken this course right here, but I know active countermeasures. I know the guys over there. I've done, um, you know, I've done projects with them. They're awesome. So thank you. Um, I don't know how much this course costs. I don't know how long it takes. I don't know anything about it, but um, I recommend it. O only based on, um, oh, it was August 12th. So it was crap. It was six hours, it was free, and it was a few days ago. Wah, wah, wah. But anyways, thanks for sharing. Uh, yes, Richard says 2600 was his gateway also. I love it. Oh, good. Pursuit of Bliss saying ACM is owned by Black Hills. Well, thank you for that confirmation, um, Pursuit of Bliss. What fall beers are you looking forward to coming up? Michael Torres. All right, so I'll tell you, um, since we're talking about beers, for those who don't know, I love beers. <laughs> I love craft beer. I love the I love the art of craft beer. I love the rich cultural history of craft beer. I love the communal uh, social aspects of, of beer. Um, so anyways, I hate uh, pumpkin beer, gourd-based beer. Yee. Okay, what I will tell you is the beers that I'm super excited about looking forward to Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale, absolutely my go-to for the seasonal. Um, I love, love, love it when Sierra Nevada uh, comes out with theirs. Um, also, um, there's there's a couple one-off beers that, you know, would be winter. Uh, like Sierra Nevada Bigfoot uh, Barley Wine is another good one. Warms the body. And it's not like I'm a big Sierra Nevada goober. It's just it happens to be those two beers. Um, I do drink, uh, stouts and porters even in the summertime. So I'm kind of like that guy. Uh, but you know, Chris, Chrissy K saying that, uh, German beer is the best beer. Paul and Art, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, German beer is wicked good. Um, I do enjoy a good Kolsch. I do enjoy a, a good Pilsner, but for me, like really light beers have to be very, opportunistic like i'm on i'm in a beer garden on a wicked hot day sitting with a bunch of people and we're gonna have like three or four beers then yeah bring me like a big polinars like in the giant mug but if i'm just having like one or two and i'm usually in like a a seedy you know dimly lit irish public house type thing give me an imperial stout post haste all right um celebration is money uh old chico i haven't had that um Milwaukee got named Drunkest City. Yikes. Um, um, hopefully it's on tap when I go to the brewery. Yeah, Luke Canfield. I don't know if you're talking about Sierra Nevada, but if you guys get a chance, Sierra Nevada's brewery in Asheville, North Carolina, that's an experience. Like, that's definitely a destination to go to if you're going to Asheville. It's not directly in Asheville, but it's wicked good. Um, oh, so I'm just getting confirmation now that uh, active countermeasures... Threat Intel course is a monthly course, and it's free every month. So definitely um, check that out. Cyber Threat Hunting Level 1 with Chris Brenton is what to look for. Also, as I mentioned earlier on stream, in case you guys didn't know, um, Anti-Siphon Training is a sponsor of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief, and Active Countermeasures is a, a subsidiary of, under them. So... You know, I have zero 
concerned that it's not aces. It's not it's not top top level quality. All right, have a good one, Matthew Hibbert. Good to see you, Michael Torres. Have you ever been able? Have you ever been to the Great American Beer Fest in Denver? Would be nice to have a meet up there. I have never been to a Great American Beer Fest uh, in Denver. I'm sure it would be awesome. Uh, remember being in Texas and going pay you pay that for a forty. My cousins were upset. We paid so little for it. A forty of OE. I have had, dude. Okay, so this is a little tidbits Tuesday and definitely. Simply Cyber Cafe vibes. Definitely not uh, super professional. So if you're watching this on LinkedIn at 9, 12 a.m. and you're in your office and like, dude, there was a thing that people did in college called Edward 40 hands. It's kind of a play on Edward scissor hands. Password, pass network plus yesterday, sec plus and sysp are next. Heck yeah. Nice job, Taylor McDonald. Keep crushing it. Taylor. Ride the momentum, my friend. Put the pins up, knock them down. Next, next, next. You've got, you've got the initiative. You've got the grind. Just, just you know, rinse and repeat, man. You got this, um, dude. So, uh, just really quickly, Edward, forty hands. You would take a a forty of OE. Okay, I, I never did this. Okay, you remember Edward scissor hands, where the guy it was Johnny Depp and he had scissors for hands. Okay. You would you actually take 40s of OE and you have someone duct tape them to your hands, okay? And and like you can't take them off your hands until they're empty. So you have to basically put 80 ounces in your stomach. Now imagine, you know, the things that your body might want to do when you have 80 ounces of liquid in you. And then imagine trying to use said facilities with with you know, or try to do anything, frankly, with with 40s duct tape to your hands okay it's actually kind of funny um it's a college thing obviously i wouldn't do it um at at any point but uh anyways that's a fun thing oh valinov knows what edward 40 hands is i didn't know i didn't know the 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 military knew about that one i mean if we're gonna tell stories there's also splatter your bladder night in tijuana just over the bridge from alamogordo um we, we won't talk about splatter your bladder night, though. That's really funny. My my uh, my brother told me about that one. He's at Air Force. Um, thanks, Bill B. We are all about uh, positivity. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, so Carl asks, has the semester started for me? No. So, hey, just a programming update with Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. If... um. Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief will continue to be at 8 a.m. Eastern Time every single day. I actually switched my teaching schedule. I will be teaching 9.30 courses on Tuesday and Thursday. So basically, there'll be no jaw jacking uh, on Tuesday and Thursday because I need to end the stream and get right to class. If you're new here and you didn't know, I'm uh, faculty at the Citadel Military College in their cyber sciences department. So I teach and I teach year round, frankly, but... Uh, in the fall and spring, I used to do an 8 a.m. class, but because of the community and because of my commitment to consistency, I have moved my class in order to deliver 8 a.m. every single weekday. So, uh, Carl, that's a long answer to your question, but the answer is the stream time will not be changing. All right. Chris Frazier with a power hour. Beer bongs. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine a beer bong of OE. Ugh. Try to get a campaign together once I have the time. Gabe Lister, I love it. <laughs> Lyle. Lyle, Dakota State, I love it. Diaper party. Oh my god. Oh my god, Wayne. This is this is getting off 
This is getting, uh, uh, we are, we are edging into, uh, simply cyber after hours right now. Um, all right, guys, it's nine fifteen. Yeah, Nathan, it's important to me to teach. Uh, I love, I love teaching. Um, if you know, David Taylor, tell him PVT Boston said, hi, I will. Oh, private Boston. I will. I will kind of cyber. I have dealt with this block list at work. I want your thoughts on it. Is it UCE protector level UCE protect level three? The more you look into it, the worse it is. I don't know what UCE protect level three. Let me see. Haircut fish says simply cyber kind of cyber. Oh yeah. Okay. So UCE protect list three. Let's see what this is. Automatically list all IPs assigned to an AS number as soon as its spam score is 50 or higher. Well, okay. So the trick is if it's going with a full ASN um, haircut fish, I mean, that's a um, that's a large swath of IP ranges. Um, this is a uh, story on how... Yeah, I mean, according to this article, you know, you obviously can block legit uh, IPs when this is happening. I, I I don't know how to handle this. I mean, for me, what I would do, I wouldn't go um, scorched earth with UCE protect level three unless, unless, oh wait, hold on. You guys can't see this. I'm sorry. Um, UCE protect level three is to me scorched earth. If you've got really sensitive data, maybe you go that route and then pair backwards. What you really could end up doing is uh, it will cost money, Dan, but like, um, I don't know if there's a free option, but I know Palo Alto has something called uh, wildfire. I believe it's called wildfire, which basically dynamically updates your IP block lists. Um, based on threat intel and telemetry. So it's kind of a dynamically active threat-informed firewall list. This UCE Protect Level 3 seems more, less, it seems less granular, right? You're blocking entire ASN, which is how you like, you know, shut down part of the internet, right? If you're if you're um, just macro, ma- macro blocking. So I, I, I don't have a great answer. Um, Exactly. BSEC is saying that would take down the internet, especially DNS services behind the ASN. 100% agree with that. Like, uh, haircut fish. I don't know if, like, to me, this is way too not granular to implement in practice, unless you're in some, like, super sensitive, high, high uh, class, you know, like, not high classified, but like a wicked sensitive area where you need to be that um, granular, uh, that not granular and just deal with the consequences and the fallout from it all right guys um sherry's got one quick question excuse me what what i be able to have my students watch your classes from india thank you yes yeah, sherry of course so just so you guys all know i do have um a couple couple things in the audience one i know that there's businesses that literally have a team meeting and they log into the stream, okay? And they watch the stream. So even though it says one person's here in chat, it's really like a, a team of people, like five, six, seven people. So first of all, love that. That's a great use case. Two, um, I know that some parents watch it with their kids, right? Kennedy, uh, Baby Base Case, um, Emerson with Brent, right? So I know that there's kids who are watching. 
I, if you've been watching with regularity, I go out of my way to not swear on the stream, okay? And if I do by accident, I bleep it out. And if, if I do swear, it's not a hard four-letter word. It's typically, you know, maybe like a little, a little, something you wouldn't want to say at a preschool, but not something that's going to get kicked, get you kicked out of church, right? So that's what's up. So Sherry, if you wanted to have your class watch it, absolutely. Just let us know that your class is here and I will welcome the class as well um, to the stream. All right, guys, I got to get out of here. Um, my name's Jerry. This has been Simply Cyber Live. Um, uh, real quick, Jared asks... Um, Jared asks, he's going back to school for bachelors. Any opinion on Western governors or Purdue global? Um, I do not have an opinion. What I will say, Jared is I know a couple people that went through WGU. I have spoken to WGU's cyber class, um, or, or, you know, I, I've done speaking engagements with them. Um, it seems good, right? You do get a lot of certs out of it. The alumni network at WGU is pretty strong. Um, Brady McNulty, who is a friend of the Simply Cyber community, graduated WGU. Maybe you reach out to him and get an honest take since I haven't gone through WGU. Purdue Global, I cannot speak about. I will say that I've done work with Purdue University during my PhD. Um, I did research with them and Purdue was phenomenal. Uh, Dr. Melissa Dark um, ran the the area that I was working with. She was phenomenal. So Purdue is great. I do not know if Purdue Global is tied to Purdue or if there's anything there. Uh, hopefully that's uh, useful to you, Jarrett. All right, guys. Got to roll. Be good. Until tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time, we'll see you. And then remember, guys, for Simply Cyber stuff, um, this is going to be dropping at 10 a.m. today. It's a little bit different than the normal content I produce, but I wanted to get this out here. I think it's wicked cool. This guy is a legend. Love his, love what he brought to the table in this conversation. Look at, look how, look how, like if only he knew that this guy over here with the serious face and the collared shirt was also you know, two thumbs and, and craft beer guy over here, right? LOL. All right, guys, be good. Thanks so very much. And until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Come